We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Welcome to the Sports Social, bringing you sports chat for everybody. I had to think about what we were doing. <laughs> what do we do here again? Do you know what we do? What? We get stroppy with golf players <sighs> who are just being turds on the international stage. So this weekend, <laughs> I mean, this isn't a common occurrence. I think Jason wants us to talk more about golf than what we actually do. But there's a golf conversation happening this weekend mm. and it mostly centres around Tiger Woods handing someone Thompson Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas. Thomas? Thomas. Correct. Look at me knowing golf. You're all over it. Uh, A tampon. And why did he do that, Libby? Because JT was not playing very well and it was like, oh, look at me, I'm so good. Look how masculine I am. I'm giving him a tampon because he's playing like a girl. Honestly, do you know what disturbs me? That means that Tiger Woods has had to think about this. This is exactly right. And go and buy a tampon or source a tampon. And had it with him just to hand it over. Just in case this moment. I, I was going to say this is like what I would expect of 12-year-old boys, but I find, I think that's actually insulting to 12-year-old boys. 100%. What's, <laughs> what's your opinion, Jace? Oh, I don't agree with it. No, of course I don't. <laughs> You're outraged. I'm outraged. I just like to focus on the positives of golf. And, and not what were they this douchebag moves from has beans? I'm kidding. He's not. A, he's very, <laughs> I was going to say he, he's still playing well. Kill isn't he? me. <laughs> he, he, he's still very good. Very very. Talented. Which is almost more annoying, I think, that he's still playing well. Well, when you're the best in the, do you need to do that sort of stuff? Oh, I think when you're just, that good, do you really need to do that sort of stuff? He's that arrogant. Like he he's that disconnected. But it's, it's just it's yeah. not even funny though. No, uh, did JT laugh? I actually didn't see the. I footage. haven't seen the footage. I've seen the fo- the photo. Yeah. Um, I would like to go back. I imagine if you're a player and you're being approached by someone and they're giving you a tampon, you'd be like, what? What's? What? Yeah, I wouldn't quite get it. Yeah, yeah. I'd be so Why? confused. And he handed it in a way that was like he was doing a drug deal, like real sneaky, <laughs> like underhanded. And it's just like. I grow up. Grow up. Grow up. You may like, be the best golfer of t- all time. Like, dude. No you've, excuses. You've had so many issues in the past. You've obviously overcome a lot of in terms of injury and personal things. Why be a douche? And apparently in other interesting golf news, one of the other players was being, I was going to say outdriven, but that doesn't sound right. So Rory McIlroy. Extremely long driver. Mm-hmm. He, like, what do you mean, long driver? <laughs> like, drives long distances to get to the golf courses. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. That makes sense. <laughs> we know golf. Oh, I, no, I like, thought for I, a second you're actually going to believe that too. <laughs> you were I, nodding, and I was like, don't nod, don't nod, no, 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 no. No, I thought you meant in terms of like, how far or actually how long his driver is. Oh, no, how far he drives. <laughs> I was trying ball. to make a sexual so he, innuendo yeah. joke. <laughs> now who's being I'm mature? sure you can still make that in a second. <laughs> okay, cool. So he's a notoriously long driver. Tiger Woods was out driving him on day two. 
and he didn't that didn't sit well with him. So, so he actually changed his driver. Oh my goodness. To a lower loft, which what I'm that not going to go into because it's just it doesn't really matter. Does to it this mean story. it's longer? It means it would hit lower and further rather than higher and shorter. Uh-huh. And so he changed his driver so that he could outdrive Tiger Woods, who's what like maybe 13 years his senior. Gotcha. So that upset him on the golf course. Upset Rory. Yep. Okay. Wow. So did it I- actually mean that he did drive further than a Tiger Woods? Well, the next day he did. Right. That's a real you guys pissing. don't care about this. No, no, I just, no, I do. I just think. <laughs> I'm like, that's very interesting, Jason. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> it's such a display of male ego. It is. Yeah. Go watch Full Swing, anyone that hasn't watched it yet. Don't watch it or go Wait, watch it. Is that going to be one of your two things at the end? Our sports shorts. Sports shorts. Short, yep, that's what we're calling it now. <laughs> no, maybe not because I'm only two episodes in, but I'm I'm already learning more about golf, which is Fantastic. Like just to give you that background information and to give you the names. Do we want to learn more about that? Yes, we should seem like quite knobby. (laughs) Golf is a hugely played sport around Australia and around the world just because you're not elite. I'll learn more about it. It's it's really interesting to watch Full Swing. Okay. On Netflix now. (laughs) (laughs) Plug, plug. (laughs) Not sponsored. But if you want to sponsor us Netflix, please come, come along. We have some space. <laughs> we have some space. Also coming February 24th, Draft to Survive. Oh, yes, this weekend. <laughs> Did you see oh. that Jack Dewan has been announced as a reserve driver for Alpine? Jack Dewan? Don't you remember our conversation about Jack Dewan? You're going to do it again. <laughs> Mick Dewan's son. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like brand new information for me. <laughs> What's wrong with my brain? Oh, Jack Dewan, he's, he's, I thought you meant Mick Dewan. I'm like, isn't he retired? No, his son, Jack Dewan, ah. has been named as Alpine's reserve driver. Get it, Jack. Hello, I'm uh, Joe Tilbrook here on the Gold Coast and I love sport because it gives me a boundary to push myself and to really focus on uh, what I can achieve. Last week we were talking about basketball and it became abundantly clear just how shallow our knowledge of the sport was. And we said we were going to get an expert and we have. We actually found one. I think when we started doing this podcast last year, I very quickly started following Megan Husswaite because I wanted to learn more about the WNBL in Australia and she is absolutely one of the best sources to go to. She is a multi-award winning newspaper and radio journalist who's covered the WNBL for over a decade. She's been the recipient of the WNBL Reporter of the Year. She's the host of SBS Sport Courtside. Uh, She's the host of the WNBL show and she's also a WNBL sideline reporter. So safe to say we're in good hands. Yes. So Megan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Sports Social. Thank you, ladies. I'm so happy to be here and looking forward to chatting with you. We really don't feel like we know enough about the WNBL. We're we're sort of new to to basketball and following basketball. So can you give us a bit of an overview of what's happened this season and who we should be keeping an eye on as we sort of head into finals? Sure. I think you're certainly not on your own. A lot of people in Australia don't know about the WNBL and it's kind of still a bit like a hidden treasure which is crazy considering it's the longest running 
professional women's sporting leagues in the country in its 43rd season. So we have two home and away rounds left until best of three final series. So um, it's been a very exciting season. It's a bit of a lockdown for the latter spots for, at the top four um, and it's five teams in, in the mix at the moment, which makes it super exciting. We've got Townsville Fire on top of the ladder and then we've got the two Melbourne teams, the Southside Flyers and then Melbourne Boomers who won it last season as defending champions. And then we've got the Bendigo Spirit and the Perth Lynx. So it's a really, I, I love that cross-section of teams and communities from one corner of the country to another. It really shows what a national competition it is. I I mean, this is bare basics, right? But I don't even know where to watch the WNBL. Can you give people, because it's obviously coming to the really pointy end of the season and people might want to start tuning in at this stage, especially if there's like five teams vying for that four, top four position. Where can people view it? So visibility is everything, isn't it, girls? And, yes. and it worries me that people don't know where to find it. So the game of the week is each Wednesday on ESPN. So this week we've got a massive game between uh, the two Melbourne arch rivals in the Southside Flyers and the Melbourne Boomers. And I do sideline for the ESPN game. So that's where you can find me. And then we have the rest of the round streams on Nine Now. So you can download the app or, or watch on your TV and, and grab the games across there. So it's a new broadcast deal this season, but just your comment about not being able to find it, you know, reassures me that we need to do better to make sure people know where to find our product and be able to watch, you know, amazing world-class basketball right around the country every week. Since we've been taking a bit more of an interest in basketball, we picked up on the issue of Shane Hill's daughter, Shyla Hill, being moved up to Townsville mid-season. And I was just wondering what impact that's going to have on that Townsville team, particularly as we get to the pointy end. It's a great question because it's had an immediate impact. Last week, Townsville beat the Melbourne Boobers in double overtime, which was incredible. And Shyla was really impactful for Townsville in that extra time in both periods, hit some big shots. So she's already playing a massive part for Townsville and has definitely strengthened their claim um, as they're one game clear at the top of the ladder as they strive to win a championship. And, and two years ago, she played for Townsville and really led them to a grand final in a hub season um, during 2020 COVID times, which was played in Townsville. So it's been... It's probably been one of the biggest stories of the year. A player leaving a team to join another has only happened one other time in the history of the league, and that was in 2015-16. And it wasn't, you know, an Opal, a high-profile player, a big name, you know, like Shiloh Hill and the Hill name and what that carries in Australian basketball. So it's been a huge talking point. Um, a really contentious talking point too. Well, I personally am all for it coming from Townsville myself, so <laughs> go Townsville. Um, the other big story of the year is obviously Lauren Jackson and, you know, the incredible comeback that she's had and the impact that she's having on the sport and her team, but then the subsequent injury that she's experienced. I, I would love to understand your opinion about the impact that she's having on WNBL, but also whether you think Lauren is able to come back from that at her age and with the amount of injuries that she's had so far. Yeah, so I've been really privileged that I've sort of been on the comeback trail with Lauren, not as in, you know, coming back myself as a player, but um, having covered 
sort of exclusively at the News Corp her comeback last year, which was announced in, in February, so 12 months ago. And that sort of went through her just getting back on court, signing with Aubrey Wodonga, her home team in NBL one to making the Opal squad, to going to an Opal camp in New York and then making the final 12. So mm. that's been an incredible insight into what it's taken physically, mentally, emotionally to come back. The impact that she's had on the WNBL has been phenomenal. We've had record crowds and a record WNBL crowd breaking a record which was set back in 1995. So she's brought people through the doors right around the country. And, you know, Libby, you'll know from your elite sporting career how important it is that athletes make time and give back to Mm. the fans. And Lauren's played right around the country. And as soon as the game finishes, you know, from Perth to Townsville to Bendigo to Canberra, the away team will set up a table and a chair for her on court and she will take every photo, have every chat, sign every autograph and she's often still at the stadium, you know, up to an hour and a half after the game and the team will travel back in cars or a bus to the hotel and Lauren will get an Uber back once she's spent time with every fan. So there's been cues, you know, out of stadiums after games and it's just been magical to watch. And, you know, I interviewed her a few weeks ago for the WNBL show and and she said that she's met little kids that have been wearing her, her jumper and say that they're huge fans of her. And a lot of these kids weren't born when she last played. You know, when she last represented Australia in 2013. That's crazy. And they're the ages of her kids. You know, she's got a little boy um, in grade one and then a three-year-old as well. So that kind of puts it into perspective. And I think, you know, she was Australia's greatest ever basketballer from what she produced in career 1.0. But to come back and play for the Opals and lead them to a medal and then have this impact at a grassroots level and be inspiring another generation I just can't remember seeing anything like it in sport so that's been incredible and then in terms of her body so she had surgery uh, two weeks ago now on both legs so she's been playing on a broken foot for a lot of this WNBL season which is incredible in itself and then in the tribute game at John Kane Arena where the all-time WNBL crowd record was set unfortunately she ruptured her Achilles in the first 90 seconds of the game so she's recovering at the moment she's 41 years old she'll be 42 in May but I just wouldn't write her off you know she's the goat for a reason and I could never imagine she would have come back after the injuries that forced her to retire the first time so I just would never put anything past her I think if anyone could do it and come back from these circumstances it would be Lauren Jackson. Megan, your comment about the GOAT has reminded me that we had a fairly deep conversation last week. Robust, I would say, conversation (laughs) about LeBron James and his highest point scoring of all time record that he achieved and what that meant in the context of possibly the greatest of all time, well, he Michael kind of, Jordan. He kind of named himself as the greatest of all time. And we realised just how little we knew about basketball and that was the point where we thought we do need to speak to an expert. And with, we'd be really interested to get your perspective on it because just on stats alone it, it, it is hard to compare the two. Yeah, it really is. And I just think, again, you know, echoing what we were talking about with LJ and being able to see her have two phases of her career. People our age, you know, and I think we're around the same age girls, like we've been so lucky to have someone like Michael Jordan who 
was, you know, the biggest name, the biggest star on the planet when we were growing up. Mm. And, and your informative years as a sports consumer, a sports fan, you know, a junior athlete coming through and then someone like LeBron who is still at the peak of his powers now. I've got the All-Star game on in the background and, you know, he has a whole team named after him. So, um, yeah, look, it's super hard to compare stats and impact. And I think when we have sporting discussions and debates, our brains sometimes have that bias to recency and it mm. might lean to LeBron because you're watching a career unfold in real time. But for me, Michael Jordan is just so synonymous with, and this is just a selfish standpoint, but my childhood, you know, a young kid from the country that would watch, read, listen to any sport I could get my hands on. And he was my first interaction with what a sporting superstar was. Like he was the Space Jam movie. Yes. He was in, you know, TV commercials and he was the face of brands, you know, that were, you know, huge. So that's really impactful. And I think particularly with, you know, Australia always having an incredible basketball history, but we were really captivated by the NBA in the 90s. Um, and Michael Jordan was huge with that. And I think he really caused a lot of Aussies to fall in love with the game. And um, again, you look at people in our age group and it's a real pop culture thing. It's, you know, wearing NBA themed t-shirts because that's fashionable. It's, you know, watching the NBA and it's the whole pop culture, that affinity that comes with it. And I feel like it stems so much from MJ. And that might happen again with LeBron. Like it's a conversation that would be so interesting to have in another 10 years and the impact he's had on the game. But I probably go against the trend of that recency bias and go back to the OG. I, that's so funny that you talk about, um, you know, wearing merch because it's cool. I'm literally wearing a um, Los Angeles Lakers t shirt as we're Me speaking. I also have a Chicago Bulls t shirt at home. So, yeah, yeah, I think well, it's interesting. I love the way that you framed that because I'm, it's so true. Like, you, you try and compare stats, and obviously, LeBron's better in some, MJ's better in some, but the impact piece, I don't think we really acknowledged last week when we had the conversation. And you're right, like, he kind of shaped the way basketball was throughout our childhoods. It's amazing. Yeah, and I think um, being, you know, I, I'm a journalist, a sports presenter, but first and foremost, I would consider myself a storyteller. And I guess I look at how, yeah, impact is something that I really consider in all things I do because, you know, when I'm on a, on a broadcast, I'm not the former athlete, I'm not the play-by-play commentator, but I can talk about impact and I can storytell. And I just, yeah, I think there's, there's so much fascination around MJ and the impact that he, I mean, it would be crazy to think of the impact he had in the US. We're really just talking about our own lives and childhoods on an island, you know, on the other Mm. side of the world. But to be able to have that impact here when, again, there was no social media, it was hard to watch NBA back then. We just didn't have the access. So I think to be able to have that worldwide impact in a different era you know, in the 90s was was incredible and, and that's a legacy that will live on forever. Megan, I think we have absolutely found our go-to professional expert in all things uh, basketball, but particularly WNBL. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for your time. 
thank you, ladies. I, I feel like we just became best friends. So, um, <laughs> for it, and we're just all going to get together and wear our MBA t shirts. Yes. I think Georgie needs to buy one. I don't own one. I can loan you one. I've got you. another one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm new Loan to has this. a bulls one. Yeah, the bulls one. Exactly. <laughs> Um, AJ, 35, Gold Coast, and I like sport because I just like being out in the community and uh, getting fit and staying healthy. Georgie. Yes, Libby. We need to talk about Peter Bolt. Yes. Do you have much of an idea of what's been going on with the middle distance runner? He tested positive recently to a performance-enhancing drug that meant that his B sample had to be tested. Yes. So for those who don't understand the drug testing process, you give a sample of urine and then you separate that sample of urine into two bottles. Do you literally do that? Do you tip them into two different bottles? You have to do it, yeah. No one else can touch it. Wow. Yeah. So you wee into a cup while someone's watching literally the wee come out of you and then, yeah, you separate it into two separate bottles, which you have chosen out of a bunch of different bottles. And then they go and test the A sample. His has come back positive, as you said, for a performance-enhancing drug. And then with that, that then got leaked to the media, which in itself is just, I mean, a, a completely horrific experience for the athlete who's going through it. And I just, I felt so bad for Peter to be experiencing that because you still have the right to then test the B sample, which he elected to do. Yeah, so you have a choice but you have to pay. I think if you want it done in a different lab, you have to pay for that different lab to do the testing and he chose to have his lawyer oversee the whole 22-hour testing process. Which, of course, you would (laughs) at this stage of time. Anyway, that B sample, the information came out this week that the sample has come back as atypical. So atypical is not negative. Yes. So the interesting twist of this is that the bowl team have come out and gone, that means we're negative, that means we're cleared of all suspicion, whereas Sport Integrity Australia has said actually – Atypical doesn't mean negative. It means that his immediate ban has been lifted and it also means that he still continues to be under investigation. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like or what actual implications that has for Peter. But from his team, he's saying he's negative, which he's said all along. But Sport Integrity Australia is saying, actually, we're still investigating. Will they go back and test or a whole lot of his other samples or retest? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting I, – I would assume so because if this particular performance-enhancing drug, it is uh, naturally made within the body. And so I know for me uh, an experience that I had at the Commonwealth Games in 2006, I tested too high for testosterone and I was like, what on earth has happened? That's not possible I obviously don't take testosterone. That's not a thing that I would do. But for the Commonwealth Games that year, they had brought down the benchmark of what the acceptable level of testosterone was for women. And so I tested positive as going too high, but then they went back and tested and saw the results for until I was 15. At that stage, I was 21, so six years of results. And my testosterone levels had been consistent during that whole time and it was simply the fact that they'd actually brought the levels down for the appropriate level. So when that happened to you, was that put out in the public sphere? 
no, I couldn't imagine having to navigate that. But Ian Thorpe went through something similar and it was because it was leaked to the media, which is just, it's so unfair because people just do not know the ins and outs of these, like, body makeup is just different. Like some people are just wired differently. I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which means I have elevated testosterone for a woman, which probably meant that I was physically stronger, able to recover quicker. Like that's part of what my superpowers were when I was an athlete. But, and it might be the same for Peter or there might be something else going on, but it needs to be like the the process needs to run its course and it shouldn't be done in a public forum. Because the other thing that happens is once you test positive on an A sample, you are immediately banned from participating in your sport. So you're not allowed to train with your team, associate with your team, talk to your coaches, yes. be on the track or be in the pool or whatever it might be whenever your teammates are. You are completely isolated. Yes. And really at that point I imagine the only people you're in contact with are your family and your friends who believe that this has all been an error. Yeah, exactly right. And I just really feel for Peter. So hopefully it gets resolved very quickly. So I understand for this drug, the research I've done for this performance enhancing drug is that it's one of the most difficult tests that they do. Uh, it's very much there's some there's a level of subjectivity mm. around it because it is a naturally occurring hormone, hormone mm. in your body, and so parameters are really important. Yes, like me with the testosterone. My name is Sarah Walsh. I'm head of Women's Football World Cup Legacy and Inclusion. And what I love about sport is all the friendships that I've made and new people, new people I get to meet. We spoke about last week that the WPL auction was happening. Yeah. Man, did it happen. Boy, did it happen. It was unbelievable. So good. So Ash Gardner was Australia's highest paid player at $558,000, which was what was really cool or cool, tricky about watching this was that it was all in Indian currency. And so you're watching the numbers and being like, I don't actually know what that means. And I gather so were the players. So they're watching and having to do currency conversions on the Perfect. side, trying to work out what their value is. Ash Gardner went for, you know, half a million and that's going to be for three weeks' work. So that's a good payday. Phenomenal. Beth Mooney went for 350 Elise Perry for 300 uh, and so on. It went down. But what was interesting was that the market didn't necessarily pay or select what Australian cricket fans might have thought. Yeah. I like this is terrible because <laughs> I don't know much about cricket, but I hadn't heard of Ash Gardner, which I feel terrible about. But apparently she's a she's great, amazing. She's amazing. All rounder? Yes. And that is apparently part of what gave her a premium yes. in this selection process. Jack of all trades. There was also a limit of how many Australian uh, Australian international players could be selected. So the core of the WPL will be Indian players mm. and then different teams are looking to complement what they've got, I guess, from... It's very strategic. Hugely strategic. Yeah. I also heard this morning that, yes, it's been purchased, the media rights have been sold for like $170 million and all the teams had to pay 800 in total. It was $800 million to have a franchise in this competition. So it's... That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> so much money. I feel like it's maybe a billion dollars. I'm not at that at that level of dot zeros. I'm it's many monies. I'm out. But 
It's being played during the Indian exam period. Oh. So they're not sure what that's going to mean for cricket watching. The men's IPL is played during like a summer holiday or a holiday break. Right. And so that really drives viewership. So whether or not the exam period in India is going to impact viewership remains to be seen. I don't or know maybe about, it impacts their performances in the exams. Well, I was going to say, I don't know about you, but if I was studying for exam, I was always looking for something else to do. 100%. And if there was cricket to watch, I would probably watch that. Be pretty good. What else can I tell you about? The NRLW? Yes, the NRLW. How's that going, George? The Players Association has reached an agreement with the NRL for the women's side of the competition. Ooh. So the Players Association had been really stoic about negotiating and prioritising the women's negotiations um, because they really wanted to see policies relating to pregnancy and parental arrangements included. Has that come in? Yes, that's been agreed. Amazing. They've also set a minimum salary, which is still only $30,000, but it's a start. We have to, I guess we have to remember the season doesn't run all year. It's uh, half of the year. <laughs> so funny because I... There's part of me that's like, yes, that's awesome. And then there's the other part of me that's like. That's all? Well, no. The swimming, like when I was a, a, on contract as a swimmer, my biggest pay was $30,000. And it was one of the best in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a poor me moment, but yes, I, go on RLW. Feels like a poor me moment. <laughs> feels like I shouldn't have made it about me, but I did. Sorry. It's all right. No, it's a good comparison. It's good to understand that. And that was probably what, like 10 years ago? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Hey, it's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming a long way. But I think the other important thing, it's a tw- they'll be on 12-month contracts. Which, which is, is so good. Which is really important. And it also means, and this is basic, but these are the little things that make the difference around women's participation in sport, they will receive private health insurance under the agreement and that will be for a 12-month period. So it means that they can play with the confidence that they've got a set income for a 12-month period of time, they've got medical cover if they have an injury on the field. And can I just say I'm this is amazing. Like this is the stuff that women's sport needs and the fact that it's progressing even though it, I think it still has so far to go, it's it's a step in the an amazing direction. And now for an Olympics update. Yes. I feel like we need like trumpets or something at this point. <laughs> Doo-doo-doo-doo. On Friday there was a media announcement or a big announcement. Anthony Albanese flew up to Brisbane for it to tell us how much money the federal government and the state government is going to tip in for the Brisbane 2032 Olympics. It's about $7 billion dollars. Awesome. The feds are willing to pay for any stadium other than the Gabba because the Gabba, I think, is a little bit like political quicksand. Yes. So the Gabba is going to have a huge renovation as of 2026. Why that's interesting is because it only got renovated a couple of years ago. Yeah. Despite that, it's currently not disability compliant. Which is an issue when you're also hosting the Paralympic Games. Yeah, it's not a good look. It's going to cause a bit of chaos for the Brisbane Lions. They're going to have to find another venue for four years while the Gabba is redeveloped and same for the Queensland Bulls. They're not going to have anywhere to play cricket. Mm. But that's okay. Do you think they'll be okay? Um, look, I think I always think that it, when we do, when we have to spend these huge amounts of monies to develop stadiums and facilities, everyone's like, oh, we could be spending this on health or education and they're, they're absolutely right. But what happens is we invest 
this money and then we do something like the Olympics and we all think this is amazing, of course we should have done this, look at these incredible facilities and everyone forgets. I would be interested because obviously us coming from Brisbane and we're actually kind of local to the Gabba area, there's, you know, lots of conversations around they have to move a school and, you know, obviously traffic issues that are going to take place as well as where the Brisbane Lions are going to play. But the federal government is also tipping in a fair chunk of change. I would love to know what people from around Australia, how they feel about putting money in towards the Brisbane Olympics. If you have an opinion, jump on at the Sports Social Podcast uh, and let us know. Hi, my name's Jane and I'm from Brisbane. I love sport because it gets me outside. I get to meet heaps and heaps of people and it's so much fun. And it's also really good for your mental health. That's the main reason I get out and run because it makes my brain feel good. All right, it is time for Sports Shorts and a very big thank you to Claire, our listener, who has given us a great idea for the name of this final segment that we couldn't land on, Sports Shorts. And thank you to the other listeners who also put in their ideas. They were, we, we had a very extensive discussion about it, but we have landed on Sports, sports shorts. shorts. Love it. Um, my Sports <laughs> Short is uh, F1 Drive to Survive. It comes out on Friday. Oh, so it hasn't even come out, but you're pre you're like I'm pre you preview endorsing yes, George. it. Yes, <laughs> George. That's my Friday sorted. It you're- better live up, hey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so much hype. <laughs> so much hype. But it comes out on Friday, twenty-fourth of uh, February, Netflix. Check it out. Well, I'm going to deviate from TV because I feel like we've spoken a lot about TV lately. I am going to talk about a book I just finished called Willow Man by Inga Simpson, which is all about cricket. (laughs) Can we not? (laughs) If if there's one thing we've covered more than TV, it's cricket. Jason, I have not even told you about how the Australian men's team collapsed in India over the weekend. I I bit my tongue. I just assumed that anyway. (laughs) Oh, brutal. Jason's being brutal. (laughs) Put your microphone away. What's Willow Man about, Willow, Georgie? Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Look, yes, it's about cricket, but it's about a lot more than cricket. It's about cricket and art and the craft of making bats and how oh, you just, your eyes just glazed <laughs> over. It's even more riveting than I could have imagined. It's fictional. It's beautiful. It's oh, it's of, not even a real story. No. <laughs> oh, don't tease me for my love of cricket. Has the Australian team read it? <laughs> Do they recommend it? No, I don't know. What Roy Slavin recommended it? Of, of Roy and H- what? Roy and HG. Oh, okay, yeah. Roy of Roy and HG. Roy of Roy of HG. Cool. I'm totally put off now because you just <laughs> absolutely bagged me. No, I'm sure there will be a lot of listeners out there who would be very interested. This is not a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> it's descended. Look, even if you're not into cricket, this is a beautiful book to read. It is just this lovely tale about a bat maker, about a batter and about music and how it all interplays. I can't, I can't wait. You Can never, you loan you it to will, me you immediately? Will never read it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Sports Social. We so enjoy bringing you these episodes and if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats please share it with them and let them know about us 
And we absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews. It totally lights us up. If you are enjoying this kind of sports content, head over to our Instagram page at the Sports Social Podcast. Otherwise, we will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.